Rebel Force Radio presents Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. This is the RFR Mandalorian After Show. All right. Already two episodes deep here in The Mandalorian in its first week. Don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. We're going to have to settle for one episode per week over the next six weeks. It doesn't look like they're they're stopping for holidays. Thanksgiving? Yeah, who cares? It's the day after Thanksgiving. We're going to have an episode anyway. What, two days after Christmas? What, you... You go into grandma's house? It doesn't matter. You're going to watch <laughs> The Mandalorian. That's right. I like that. That's aggressive. I, I remember the days of Clone Wars and Rebels when they used to really wimp out around the holidays. You remember that? They would, they, they'd like take a two or three week hiatus. Right. At least. Yeah, not doing that now. But, uh, oh my goodness. I, I just literally just finished watching uh, Chapter 2, Episode 2, The Child as it's called, and uh, I, I'm really, really excited to uh, talk about this episode. Well, I mean, the whole, the, 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 everything that we've seen so far, if you listen to our first Mandalorian after show, uh, you know, we were, it was a lot of just getting used to the fact that it's a Star Wars TV series. What do we think of, um, you know, how it looks, how it sounds, uh, the whole Disney Plus launch, and of course that led us into things like, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a couple of the changes that they that were made to the 4K transfers of uh, the, the, the Star Wars films that are on Disney Plus. But I'm really looking forward to this episode because, or this uh, edition of the After Show, because I think we're going to be able to really tackle the plot, the characters, and the things that are actually happening in this series. And I am delighted to have not only my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack, but also. Our brother in the force, my brother in the force, Jimmy's brother in the flesh, Billy Mack, as well. Hey, hey. how you doing? Back for more Mandalorian. Wow. Star Wars is back, baby. And we're seeing it in a big time with uh, the Mandalorian and uh, all of the great Star Wars aesthetic and aliens and action. It's, It's everything we know and love. And uh, this episode was certainly filled with a lot of that stuff. Um, oh. Who who hasn't always wanted to see a bounty hunter take on a sand crawler one-on-one? And, Ooh. I mean, this was right out of... This was right oh out of uh, Nintendo Super Star Wars Level 2 when, as Luke Skywalker, you would climb up the side right. of oh the Skywalker, God, the Sky... The Skywalker, the Sandcrawler. Sand Sorry, guys. I'm. I got to get settled in here. Um, yeah, Jason. Jason, have a drink. We'll, we'll all just yeah. take a deep breath here. We're all pretty excited because the Star Wars vibes are in the air, and that's what I was thinking when I was watching this episode. Was I, I, I tweeted about it? I said this episode had hints of Super Nintendo, Super Star Wars. It had hints of. Um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the tank battle, 
when they force Indy up against those rocks. And it also had hints of Adam West Batman when the Mandalorian scales the side of the sand crawler. Oh, yeah. I was expecting... Sammy Davis? And Yes. Uh, yeah, I was expecting Sammy Davis or Milton Berle to pop out from one of the panels on the side of the sand crawler alongside the Jawas. But all of that stuff is just scratching this itch I've had, this, this Star Wars oh. fan itch I've had for, for longer than I could think of. Guys, I, when I was watching it, and especially during, well, the, the whole episode, but really when it, when it, it kicked into high gear for me was the, uh, the Mando solo attack on the Sandcrawler, I literally said out loud, and no one else was with me, I haven't had this much fun as a Star Wars fan in I don't know how mm. long. Maybe since some of those, you know, mind-blowing episodes of the Clone Wars when we started to really glimpse what potential that series had and what it was fulfilling. But I mean, but then, you know, look, I love animation. Don't get me wrong, but there's always going to be a big difference in how animation resonates in live action. This thing just I'm just—I was just completely riveted. I was just having a blast. I was just having a blast, and uh, I thought, you know, even though we don't want to use this series necessarily as a another whip against the sequel trilogy, I know it's not. You know, there's, there's some people that think it's the best and all that, but is you know, for me as a fan, this. <laughs> The last, uh, what is it, 39 plus another 30 minutes, what, 78 minutes, whatever it is, has been, is given more back to me as a Star Wars fan than anything I've seen probably since Rogue One, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, as far as just having that pure Star Wars rush, you know, when you you, uh, eat certain brands of chocolate, you can always tell the cheap ones from the really good ones. And this one is a big, rich chocolate treat, man. I mean, it's 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 Star Wars chocolate goodness, and um, it's just it's it. Like I said, it's really scratching the right itch. The vibe, the pacing. A lot of people are complaining about the half hour length of this episode, and I'm not because to me there was no filler in here. There was no downtime. Everything made the story take one step further, and it's an adventure. It's yeah. serialized adventure, and that's what Star Wars was. Each episode doesn't have to expand on the mythology to death. Sometimes it's just a good old-fashioned adventure story. And uh, I like the fact that this was nice and tight and compact. We did get a little bit more information about the Mandalorian culture as it exists in this time period when he says his weapons are, are a big part of his religion. And that's what I was talking about a lot last week on the show, is the fact that this era of Mandalorian, this particular sect of Mandalorian, because there's been so many different iterations of Mandalorian over the years, um, you'd have to assume in this universe that there are other ways of going about being a Mandalorian, different levels of, uh, different approaches to Mandalorian. I, I take note of this looking at Star Wars animation and how that culture has been variously depicted in different sort of ways from the Duchess Satine and her legal rule on the planet Mandalore, which was 
a culture of pacifism. And then you had the Death Watch out on the moon who were exiled because of the fact that they wanted to hold on to these warrior traditions. And then you had another sect of Mandalorian introduced to us in Rebels, which were the protectors on Concord Dawn. And then you had the Imperial Commandos, who actually ah. took over the Mandalorian. You got, you got a yeah, review, so- man. I mean, there's... You know, it's a good thing you released some of those Filoni interviews about this because I I, I got to go back and review. There so is, it's, yes. it, it's all kind of right there, you know. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like I need to do that because I I, Guys, I can't, I can't we, keep track of all this stuff. Could right. we say that that uh, Dave Filoni has uh, perhaps done or created more official Mandalorian canon than anybody else? I mean, between his work on yeah. I mean, Clone Wars, yeah, I would think so. I mean, yeah, Karen Travis was a big fan favorite in, during the Expanded Universe days, but that all got turned on its head as a result of Clone Wars. So, I mean, Dave is, uh, I don't want to say he's reinvented, but I guess you could say invented Mandalorian culture. Jim, when you were kind of given that rundown, are, are, you, are you noticing any um, big changes between what we saw in the Clone Wars versus what we're and it and in Rebels, of course, uh, that was a big part of Rebels, um, and what we're seeing here in the Mandalorian. Yes, you think it's yes, consistent? absolutely. No, I mean, there's more of an emphasis on the the faith of being a Mandalorian on this show. And their relationship with their armor and their weaponry, uh, how they never take off their helmets. Um, mm. These are all just little hints we've been picking up along the way to me, which seem rather unique. Now, I have to admit, you know, full disclosure, I did not pour over all of those Karen Travis novels. I have a working knowledge of what happened within them. But once Clone Wars launched, those. Um, stories primarily became rather mute, and um, I uh, really consider my Mandalorian knowledge that comes from the introduction to the armor via Jango Fett and then the uh, history of the Mandalorian as it started to be told during the Clone Wars, the animated show. So I don't really Uh take the expanded universe into account too much there was a Django Fett miniseries from Dark Horse Comics in the 2000s called um something Target I want to say maybe Hard Target or something like that uh Django Fett Hard Target I'd have to look that up but it did it was a, a four or six issue miniseries that really explained a lot about Django Fett and his connection to the Mandalorians. In, uh, is it, are you talking about new canon or is this nope, old? This is old e- stuff. This is Dark Horse EU. comics. So, okay, so it's old EU, right. yeah. Dark Horse. And it, this stuff is uh, readily available on the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, what With uh, with the uh, Star Wars license moving over to Marvel with the Disney acquisition, they also gained all the publishing rights to the Star Wars comic library, including that which was released by Dark Horse. So you can go back onto the Marvel Unlimited app and uh, 
have access to that. Django Fett, I, I want to say it was open season or something like that. Django Fett. Are, are we, uh, we're live everywhere, right? I bet people are shouting yeah, at we're us live. on yeah, certain yeah. live chats and stuff. Let me pull up the old yeah, YouTube. Yeah, we're live across uh, Facebook and YouTube. And, and by the way, while Jim's checking out the, uh, the chat, oh, I are. just want to say, <laughs> I just want to live chats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're people. live across uh, Facebook. Um, and, uh -oh. and by the way, oh, while Jim's checking out, to those of you that are listening, I just want to see. To the I just want to. Of course, we, we, we can't use you to to I just want to say, if you follow um, us on our social media so channels on Facebook, to, Instagram, to and, and Twitter, um, and on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell. You're going to get notifications when we decide to go live. We're a little bit late tonight. This is for our West Coast and Mountain audiences. Um, and uh, but but anyway, it's a lot of fun. We're taking live calls. That's the whole spirit of this Mandalorian after show. Is, <laughs> I'm looking uh, at some of these live comments. Oh my goodness! Billy Mac is back there looking like a CIA agent, is what they're saying. <laughs> and then someone else claims uh, Lord Tuhig says uh, Puppet Lando has Billy Mac on his hand. So is it? Are you real or are you a puppet back there? I know. Well, this is kind of weird. I am like a, a kind of a shadowy presence back here. <laughs> you know, small smaller version. I could be Puppet Billy. That's that's definitely true. So, Jason, I'm I sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. This is <laughs> no, again, no, no, we're no, we're no. still I trying just, to get our feet I on the ground. Vamping. <laughs> I, I kind of uh, but that I had a vamp vibe. No, that are listening to the podcast that they have an opportunity to follow us on social media and find out when we're broadcasting live because all of the episodes of the Mandalorian after show from Rebel Force Radio are going to be recorded live where we're going to be taking calls. Speaking of calls, I'm putting the number up on the screen right now. Please give us a buzz if you're within the sound of our voices, 708-866-1737. That's 708-866-1737, and we will pop you on. And you can sound off about Mandalorian. Um, before I give us the tale of the tape and talk about the specifics of this episode, Bill, I'm interested because we didn't have a chance to talk with you, at least I haven't, uh, since the premiere earlier this week. Um, thoughts on just in general your first tastes of live action Star Wars hmm. TV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Well, uh, there, gosh, there's so many. Um, I'm connecting with this uh, series um, not so much with the expanded universe because, truth be told, I'm not much of an expanded universe guy. I'm pretty limited to the films and and I mean I've watched everything. You know, I've watched Rebels and and everything like that. But I I, I always return to the films. Um, but there is one thing that I was really, really into, and that was the video game Bounty Hunter. Ah. And this show actually has a lot of that, a, a lot of flavor from that game. Uh, that game came out around the time of episode two, so, you know, 2002, 2003. And, um, he had tons, like, I mean, you could collect bounties, and there were tons of Rodians and Trandoshians and Aqualish, Aqualish, whatever they're called. <laughs> The Walrus Men guys. And, uh, I mean, it, it just had such thick Star Wars flavor, and I really loved it because it had all these OT elements in it, and it was a prequel-era uh, uh, game. And it was a, a fun storyline, and uh, Django Fett it was the main character, and Zam Wessel was in it. It had the voice actors from the movie and everything like that. Um, 
So anyway, I I I I I definitely um, am seeing a lot of hints of that, but um, dude, it just like it takes me back beyond that, though. I mean, it's like the kid in me that was like fascinated with Jawas and these creatures and the weirdness of Star Wars. I'll I'll tell you. The original Star Wars movie, I was always really fascinated by that first half of the movie that's on Tatooine. I mean, once they leave Tatooine, it it really does become a different type of movie. Um, you know, it's more of a space film after that. But but the Tatooine stuff, I just I was always just so fascinated with the Cantina scene in particular and the Jawas. In fact, I brought with me a little companion. Can you see oh, this? Can you hold that up there? Oh my gosh! Look at I, that. That I bought. <laughs> I I saved up my allowance and bought that. That's the, that's the actual figure that I bought in 1979 when I was when I was wow. seven. That's the that's the 12 inch. What we're seeing here on the screen, yeah. is the 12 inch Jawa from Kenner back in uh, in 79. He's in great shape. Is that are any of those uh, accessories repro? No, that, that's that all original. That shape. that's all my original. That's everything. The gun and the whole thing is 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 what I bought. Um, wow. I haven't done anything to that. And you uh, the bandolier straps. Yeah, I just, I just, wow. I, I, I loved him, and I, and I bought that remote control sand crawler too. I just, I was so fascinated with him, and you know, like this episode to see inside the cockpit of the sand crawler, and to see see it open up and all. I mean, I'm just like. I don't know. I, 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 I find all of it so fascinating and compelling. And it's funny, too. There's something so humorous about yes about a lot of what's going on in this show. And I, I, I really appreciate that. It's not... I mean, I, I, I enjoy the philosophy of Star Wars, but and this gets back to your original question, what I'm really resonating with on this uh, show so far is... Uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? Give me that. <laughs> uh <laughs> What's really resonating with me is that that you know so far there's really not a lot of thick philosophy. I'm ready for a, a breather from that. To be honest with you, I kind of like I kind of just like a straightforward. Wow. Okay, oh, but uh, is this gonna be straightforward? So let's get into it. Well, no. Well, that we don't we don't know. Yeah, yeah. the the, so, so the, the tale of the tape. We're talking about chapter two of the Mandalorian season one. By the way, season two already in. Production. John Favreau uh, tweeting and Instagramming some uh, some images from the set already, and there was one shot that was shared that was Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and the notorious GL, the maker yeah. himself, George Lucas. All three of them mm-hmm. on the set of Mandalorian. Now I don't know if that particular photograph was of. Um, uh, the, the three of those fellows on the set of season one, or if that is what we're seeing with season well, two. Well, I think right? that was season one. I don't believe they're shooting season two yet. But I could be wrong I, yeah, about they that. Are. They, they are. are. They, they are currently yeah. in front of the cameras. Wow. They wow. This, so this Favre, new fast-paced. This, yeah. yeah, this new fast-paced era of live-action Star Wars television. Wait, right now there's yeah, still filming you know, they, Yeah, they've already fired oh, up season two. Nice. They just started uh, with season two. Just started. So, uh, so yeah, um, Favreau was tweeting that or Instagramming it, whatever. He had a, I think it was a Stormtrooper helmet that was, you know, sitting on a rock or something. Yeah, you know, that's great um, news because we don't have to wait a year and a half like we have to with a lot of these other 
Netflix and cable shows, right? I mean, well, we I assume would that? Love that. I mean, it would or is be the post production? Well, no, so obviously kind of- they're they're really um, very much focused on building content for the Disney Plus library to build subscriptions. Because while they did sell a ton of subscriptions and made a lot of money on the day of the launch, there's still, you know, not even. 10% of the Netflix audience that's out there now. And they won't stop until they overcome Netflix. If I know anything about Disney and their approach to well, making know- sure they're an entertainment I, I empire. Some, like unbelievable number the other day. Like like the day it launched, like 10 million people signed up or something like that. Yeah, but you I know, you also seen the numbers. I'm curious about that. Bill, you, you were. It was like 15 million. This is. Yeah. And that's not Mandalorian specifically. That's just Disney Plus sign up, right? Right. right. And uh, and you also have to keep in mind, really taking the piss out of Disney, uh, complaining about the app, and you know, and, and I'm not saying they don't have any grounds. I just have not had any problems on any of my devices with the app. I haven't. I haven't had I any haven't problems. Either. I have only uh, just via my uh, Amazon Fire Stick. I think that's what you call it. Oh, I have okay. Plugged into my uh, TV. My ridiculously about- expensive TV that can't get new apps because it was produced about a month before that became a thing. Well, Timing is everything. Have the fire stick. Though. I got to tell you, you're not missing out on anything. The the the, the smart smart TVs, yeah. uh, air quotes, that you get. The the uh, apps that they that they bake into those are are never as good as if you get a set top box like an Apple TV, a Roku, or a, or a Fire Stick or something like that. I see. But anyway, here here we go. Tale of the tape, chapter two, Mandalorian. Uh, this episode is called the Child. I don't believe chapter one had a subtitle. Not that I was aware chapter of. One. Yeah, I wasn't aware of. You're right, Jason. A subtitle for chapter one because I'm a stickler about that stuff. Because I have to keep all of this stuff organized, you know? (laughs) So um, having a subtitle like The Child is uh, very helpful, (laughs) very helpful in my my, uh, archiving. But... um, Directed by Famu Yiwa. Yes. I think that's the best way I can... Famu Yiwa, and this was uh, written by Jon Favreau, as was episode or chapter one, mm-hmm. also written by uh, John Favreau. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering, is, uh, did John write all of them? Do we know? I don't know if he wrote all of them. Well, you know, I mean, just judging off of uh, things that we, we've heard from Filoni, and they did another big um, Q&A event in Hollywood just a few days. It's a live ago. stream of, yeah. some, of some sort, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I think they, they screened the first two uh, the first two or three episodes, and um, Filoni and the cast did a sit down and took questions. And we'll have highlights of that on the weekly Rebel Force Radio next week. But what Dave Filoni has been saying is things like, "Yeah, it's crazy because I'll talk to Favreau on the phone, and we'll talk about this element of Star Wars we'd like to see come to life." somehow in the show and the next day a fully realized script outline or even a fully realized script will show up in his email inbox and it's that kind of immediate response that i think fabro is applying to what's going on with the development of this show i don't think there's any downtime i think john is writing most of it 
Yeah, it's there's there's a tremendous amount of dedication, I think, being shown by both of them with this with this show. So the original air date for those of you uh, watching or listening to this in the future was November 15th, 2019, uh, just a mere four days after the initial launch of the series and the whole platform, uh, Disney Plus. Um, so when la- by the way, I, I really also like that the fact that they have the little, uh, you know, Last week on the Mandalorian, yeah. or the last time on the Mandalorian, yeah, yeah. it's just so. I just I don't know. What? Just something. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. It wasn't Comforted a criticism. No. <laughs> there are no. certain throwbacks to classic television yes. that I pick up yes, from this exactly. show, especially the credit sequence at the end. That reminds oh, me of classic part? television. But what? What is that? What is? What does that come from? Because there, it's our work for that episode. Yes, it's, it's it, concept. It seems art. to be changing. It's concept specific art. to that to that episode. Where where have we seen that before? No, I, um, I was wondering that yeah. earlier. I thought it was the one that came to my mind. Forgive me, is the Planet of the Apes TV series? Oh, geez. I thought that they, they ran. That? I I I maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but that was one that I thought about. It is a really cool touch. I mean, they used to, a lot of shows, you know, 30 years ago or so used to do like a lot of freeze frame stuff, like frames from the episode. Jason in the the chat is saying Wild Wild West did that. Wild Wild West. Um, I remember at the end of Rocky 3, there's a freeze frame of... Sly and Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah they're 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 having a a, a practice uh, a rematch. A rematch. Yeah, a private rematch. <laughs> private rematch. And so there's a shot of them just about ready to connect on each other's going chins. into a full punch. Yeah, and it freeze frames, and that freeze frame turns into a painting, an oil painting. Yeah, and the credits roll over that. Oh my God, that's. I, but the pain, and the painting yeah, was that. done by a fairly well-known artist too, and I forget his name. But he did a lot of a lot of sports artwork, and a lot of people are saying there are elements of the Mandalorian soundtrack that takes them back to Bill Conti's Rocky soundtrack. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a hmm. lot of people are saying that. Here's one right here. Dave in the chat says, I hear Rocky theme in the music. Huh. Is it just me? No, it's not just you, Dave. Did you chat? Did you think of that? When you were watching? Um, I didn't specifically, but many people have brought that up to me. Um, our friend Matt Rashid, who is an RFR VIP member on Patreon, he brought it up to me in our latest issue of issue, our latest edition of RFR Q&A, which went live last night. That's a Patreon exclusive and available to all members of the Patreon community. So if you've been thinking about it, for just a buck, you get some uh, great extra RFR programming, RFR content right there. Two hours of me and Matt talking about The Mandalorian. So uh, check oh. that out. And that did come up with me and Matt, was the similarities between the Rocky theme and the Mandalorian music. Huh. Well, there, Ludwig, some... uh, Ludwig uh, Goransson, who is the composer, also wrote the scores for the two Creed movies. I love Ludwig. Oh, there's some very oh, he wrote unusual... the music for Creed. Yeah, well, there he you go. He wrote the music for Creed 1 and 2. Perfect. Yeah. And he's definitely so, using notes from the original Rocky soundtrack in those. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
and I'm hearing shades, of course, of John Williams. There's no question, uh, particularly. You are. I'm, I'm hearing a little bit. Yeah, I'm hearing a little bit of Ray's theme uh, dropped in, or something that sounds a little bit like you know the. Yeah, I think about that. But there's there's some unusual instrumentation though, right? There's like a is there electric guitar? Are you hearing that? Or more modern chanting at one point. And, there's a chanting and thing during like the uh, didgeridoos and yeah. <laughs> there's all kind of uh, bizarre exotic during, instrumentation during that, during that monster fight that uh, reek like animal. There is very strange. That animal is known as the mudhorn. Okay, yeah, it's not exactly a reek. It's yeah. not exactly a reek, but it Wait, certainly it looks, like looks very very similar. It looks like a rhino. Smells like it smells like a reek, <laughs> but it's furry and it lays furry That's tasty cool. eggs. Very tasty. <laughs> Apparently, by the way, giant stop. Cadbury eggs. You know when the, the the big Cadbury egg. I love that because to me that was just very Lucas, just weird, bizarre, yeah. very Lucas, bizarre, uh, and not and not in the you know completely demas you know emasculating way that uh, they had Luke sucking from the teat of that giant. Uh, uh, whatever it was, sea cow in Last Jedi. The, the it was, it was, that looked like Watto. It was just bizarre. The yeah. water, it looked like Watto with boobs. Yeah, Watto with boobs. Um, <laughs> no, it just, it just, to me, they're they're all like eating the yolk. I mean, just that was it so was bizarre. Lucas, it, me, it, I, dude, you're so right. It, I mean, that totally <laughs> stuck with me, and I I was thinking about that afterward, like. The Jawas, like, we never even knew what they ate. What do they like to eat? What's mm-hmm. a big, tasty treat to them? A giant, hairy egg. Like, of, co- of, course, <laughs> they, egg. of course they eat eggs, you know? Like, that's just such a weird thing. You know, like that kid in your in your grade school class who always had, like, the weird egg salad stuff in their lunch and they never... <laughs> you know, it's just... it's. It's unusual. It's it's so unusual. You Were know? you that kid, though, Bill? <laughs> Are you describing yourself? No, no. I always had. I always salad? had. I had a. P, I was a PB and J guy. PB and J guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you know what? We've got. Let's let's throw the number back on the screen here one more time. Seven zero eight eight six six one seven three seven. Give us a call. We'll pop you on. We do have some calls here. We're talking Mandalorian, and uh, let's see who we have here. Um, oh, do I owe this guy some thanks? I got. I we got to talk to him. Uh, our pal Eric from Phoenix joining us and eric i'm gonna say right away man i got to note the most pleasant surprise Hmm? at the day job when i had a big package delivered to me and opened it up to reveal the jabba's palace adventure oh we finally got it so finally thank you thank you you, sir the holy grail and all that profanity that you're oh the profanity you're laying on us oh the profanity (laughs) So, Eric, we very much. God. Are, are hey, you, you bet. Uh, oh, there he is. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, no, it, you bet. No problem. That whole thing was an amazing experience. And just the fact that I was able to get out of Walmart with a toy that wasn't even on the shelf um, that wouldn't ring up. I did pay for it, um, but uh, that whole thing was awesome. So, yeah. I'm glad I, I had a heck of a lot of fun finding that for you, and I'm uh, glad that. And I appreciate it. We're we're gonna um, we're gonna so square up. We're gonna square up. Um, well, I don't we'll, worry we'll, about it. Not we'll worry square about up it. offline here. But uh, uh, what do you think of the the Mandalorian so far, and in particular uh, Chapter Two? 
Yeah, I have to tell you guys, I love it. I mean, my gosh, uh, how awesome is, first of all, just the fact that we have a live action Star Wars TV show that we get to watch, number one. That's not, not knocking the Ewoks uh, movie of the week, but, but this, is, this is fantastic. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, the thing that, to me, that this show is like, you take the best of the comics, you take the best of the Expanded Universe books, you throw in some video games. You guys mentioned Super Star Wars. My gosh, that game was so hard, especially that Sandcaller level. That level sucked. <laughs> um, and then you, you think about it. It sucked. It was horrible. Yeah. And then, but, but you think about the video games, and then you think about it as a kid, you know, if you played with the Kenner action figures, and you mash all that together. And that's, to me, what, what this show is. It's just a heck of a lot of fun. If you were watching a Star Wars movie just off to the right, a hundred miles away is where this has taken place, and it fits in mm. perfect. Um, the action's great, the acting's great, the characters are great. There's a lot of little nods here or there. The music, I heard some people complain about the music. I, I vehemently disagree. The music is fantastic, and the fact that it's not John Williams. Um, and, and it's still good. Uh, it's it's just it's a heck of a lot of fun to listen to it, and it's just it's so much fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, and just thrilled that we get a chance to watch this. It's great. All right. Well, let's. Uh, what Bill Bill just said, kind of something similar to what you're saying, which is, you know, it's fun. It's not as heavy. It's kind of giving us a little reprieve from. Uh, the uh bill what was the term that you used uh not the mythology what was it that the, you said so philosophical stuff the philosophical stuff but just when you think that they're going that way now all of a sudden you've got this young yoda and forgive me i know he's not yoda we have no reason to believe he's yoda yoda's already passed away uh, now our pal paul bateman is suggesting that there could be some sort of uh, reincarnation concept that they might introduce into the force. I don't know, but all I know clone. is this, this youngling clone. or a clone, Jimmy Max in the clone camp. Well, I'll tell you um, why there's been some additional yeah. information about that. Since we last spoke, Dr. Really? Pershing, who is mm -hmm. found in uh, the employee of Werner Herzog's, the client, Dr. Pershing comes out there and uh, I really tried to look very closely at what this dude was wearing. I noticed he had a patch on his shoulder. I thought he was wearing something similar to what we see the scientists in Rogue One wearing. You know, the scientists who were slaughtered right. on the platform mm -hmm. there by uh, Krennic and the uh, Death Troopers. I thought he was wearing something similar to that and perhaps had that same patch on his shoulder. That's just what scientists wear in the empire. But upon further inspection, some people on the Internet have discovered some promo shots of this guy. And you can see part of that patch on his shoulder. And that patch on his shoulder is identical to the patch that the clones on Camino are wearing in episode two. Oh, huh. OK, so. All right. We might be seeing so, some well, connection. Between wow. uh, cloning technology wow. or, quite simply, they want this infant of the species because they know it's powerful in the force and they believe they can clone it. 
Well, there, wow. I, I uh, yeah, I think it could be. I, I'm getting like a Dr. Mengele vibe. They want to, they want to be able to experiment, experiment on it and harness whatever power mm. it has. I mean, you know, I suppose the other route could be that. Uh, um, I mean, the empire is uh, a, mil- a military force. It's a, it's a it's a combination of uh, uh, military and uh, and mysticism. Uh, there was always what they uh, tried to harness. I, I guess you know, kind of like the the Nazis and the occult. You know, would be the real life parallel there. Uh, you know, they they they're trying to tap into the dark forces um, of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I suppose the other route would be if they if they're not going to experiment on on the, the Yoda baby, uh, that they would try to raise it in in, you know, with with their ideals. Uh, so that could, you know, become their their next leader. What I, if that, we, if what that makes sense. Thing? Like I, I they're going to calling it the yodeling. Which I like. <laughs> well, like I don't know. Like, we we're discussing. Well, I, th- there's got to be more. I mean, they 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 haven't they haven't identified the gender. We were talking about that earlier. They've they've identified uh-huh. it as they and it. And for some reason, so they seem to be keeping that. You know, they're holding back on that. I think. And also, if 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 the baby is 50 years old, does it have the ability to speak? Are we going to hear it speak at some point? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it have a point of view? Uh, you know, are these <laughs> things that we're waiting? We're waiting well, for Eric. Do you have any thoughts about this? I mean, with, with a fifty-year-old infant um, that's displaying a, a, a certain, yeah, a toddler. You say toddler? Yeah, I guess the, toddler. It, it, the baby is walking. Toddler, but so. I would ex- it is walking. Okay, mm-hmm. good point. Walking toddler. Okay, fifty-year-old toddler. I'm, I'm assuming that perhaps it can um, as as our children in our own world, our own universe, um, most will say that they understand a lot more than they can actually communicate outwardly. Uh, that's how you learn to talk. That's how you learn to communicate. Um, what, what do you make of this uh, yodeling, Eric, from Phoenix? Is this a sign that they're going to go pretty deep with this series? Or do you think they'll keep it, as you say, you know, a thousand miles away from what might actually be shown in a in a feature film. Yeah, I I wasn't sure, but then tonight when the force showed up, then mm-hmm. then that makes me think there's going to be a little bit deeper. It almost has to. Quite frankly, I, I don't want to say disappointed because I think it's cool and it honestly makes sense. I was kind of hoping we wouldn't get that. But with the force getting thrown in there, I mean, there's just some things that are going to have to get explained. Um, yep. If not this this season, it'll have to get explained maybe into next season. Because isn't I believe that Felony? Is that, I think arc. it's so full. I think that's yeah. just so Felony to he he throws in that thing that shouldn't be there, you know, like a Padawan for Anakin Skywalker, and then finds a great way to make it seem like. Wow, yeah, that's how it should have I been just, all along. Well, I think George Lucas might have had something to do with this, too. I mean, you brought up the George Lucas connection <laughs> he's seen on set. Yep, he's known right. to be a huge influence on Dave Filoni, his mentor. He considers Filoni to be a son, according to Bryce Dallas Harper, or Howard, um, Ron oh, Howard's daughter. Yeah, yeah she, she said right. this at the uh, Q&A from the other night. So, um 
I think George Lucas has more of an influence on the, these episodes and this miniseries than, you know, in, meets uh, initial first blush. I, I think that picture tells a lot of stories. And, yeah. uh, and, and we had heard that he was actively involved in the writer's room. And the concepts of exploring Yoda's species were something that was presented by George himself. So this could very well be a very super honest extension of the mythology according to Lucas. I think we'll find out. We will find out. Yeah, I, and I think my, my you know, and I, I, I want to go back. When I, when I said philosophy, I don't know if that's maybe the best word. It's not that I'm opposed to them getting philosophical. philosophical. I, I mean, I like that, especially if they're going to be uh, telling stories that have a strong moral uh, to them. Uh, you, I mean, what is a moral? I mean, a, a moral is is a you know a, a statement about the human condition, about right and wrong. I mean, you have to present some kind of philosophy. I guess the thing I I get worried about is that they get um, overburdened with explanation. That that's when I really start to say, okay, you know, you got to refocus. You know, keep it focused. You can you can tell stories that convey complex ideas and. Uh, and and uh, statements and and uh, c- communicate those in simple ways. That that's what I most admire about storytelling, and, that, and, and not simplistic. They can they can they can be deep statements, but they don't have to be. When they when they science fiction sometimes especially gets really wrapped up in a lot of. Uh, you know, having to explain this and that. And it, it can starts get, to very get very tedious. technical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, and Star Wars was always very straightforward. It never, it never, it, it, you know, it's, it assumed you knew a lot. It didn't, it, you know, I mean, the, even the idea of the force was just, it was a, I mean, George Lucas described it as, as a, you know, watered down universal statement about religion. It wasn't meant to be, so so specific, right? He would have to get into all the minutia. Yes, minutia. And sometimes it seems like fans want that, mm-hmm. but it's like you know, it's like the monolith in two thousand one. If you explain it, it loses the mystery. I mean, you got to keep some of that going, and you yeah. got to kind of keep you got to you got to keep your messages uh, on target. You know, it's just it, you can get really wrapped up in a lot of this explanation of stuff, and sometimes yeah. an adventure story. Is just an adventure, you know. I mean, it's, right, right. You yeah. know, it's like the we want of the ride, right, and we want to cheer and be manipulated yeah. in that way. You know, that's fun. That's what we like. That's what we love. Well, Eric, any uh, any any passing or final thoughts here on uh, what you're seeing yeah. so far? Yeah, I got I got four quick things and one question for you guys. So the, four. So the first thing, did you guys notice? It's super quick. Did you notice John Favreau? In the first episode, his voice? No. No. We thought we heard someone saying so, uh, Hutuda Matata. Or what, what is that word from the uh, line? Hakuna Matata? Hakuna Matata, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we thought we heard someone saying that in the background during uh, the, the shootout with the uh, Nick Twos and the uh, IG in episode yeah. one. But uh, that's that's debatable whether Hakuna Matata was said. Yeah, no. No, no, it's. When they're in the when when Werner Herzog is giving him his mission, yes. and that guy the doctor walks in, and there's one stormtrooper that speaks, and I'm pretty certain that's John Favreau. Oh, very well, that was, I think that was. 
Matthew Wood. Eric, I, heard I got him. it discreet. That was Matt Wood. Yeah, that's who I heard. Oh. You yeah. think so? Okay. I think it was I, Matt I thought Wood. It was, yeah. I thought it was the Warrior Ways voice of Jack. <laughs> so I'm off on that. Warrior <laughs> Sorry about I that. think it's going to uh, show up. I don't think it's been in yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it shows up somewhere. It was good. There were good Stormtrooper yeah, voices, and, though, for sure. It yeah, had, it it had that vibe, you know, um, that old The second thing I've got is a question for you guys. So, they're, you know, when, when he's been tracking guys or the Trandoshan showed up tonight, they had that tracker. Yeah. So, how are they able to track the bounties? Does everybody have, like, a, a something in their body that they're able to track? That's one thing. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, those codes. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you know, under... Uh, oppressive dictatorship like the empire perhaps regular citizens were uh they they placed microchips in under their skin or something crazy like that you you never know um i think that's yet to be defined the addition of these other bounty hunters out searching for this yoda baby was uh pretty much defined by nick nulty in the first episode when he said that these bounty hunters kept coming to his valley and causing all kind of mayhem and violence and destruction. And uh, that's why he was relieved to see the Mandalorian there because he had heard stories about the Mandalorian that led him to believe the Mandalorian was capable enough to achieve the, uh, the goal of the bounty hunt and uh, get that uh, prize and put an end to it all. Um, so that's why the additional bounty hunters are still showing up like those um, those bosks, those Trandoshans. But the question remains with these trackers, right? Um, why are there so many of them out there that are able to pinpoint where an individual is? Well, the question I had was was not so much is this a was this a a tracking fob for the yodeling. But was it a tracking fob that was put out for the Mandalorian? In other words, mm. you know, has he been gone too long? We don't really know in terms of the, the, you know, the time. And are they hedging their bets? So they hire this guy to find the yodeling. Perhaps Werner Herzog's character knows that anyone that finds this thing is going to be, you know, perhaps tempted to keep it for themselves or what have you, which he kind of did. They might, you know, IG-11 might have sent some sort of uh, message after he was uh, dispatched, you know, back to um, uh, Grief Karga. Uh, I don't know. So, so I'm, I keep thinking that maybe it was actually the Mandalorian that was being hunted or there might be a bounty out for him now that those uh, Trandoshans were trying to capture. That was just my thought. That could be. That could be. A, a bounty on the bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah. That could, the hunter hey, becomes the hunted. I think that's where this is going to go. Who among us, and I'm thinking it, it, it would be Billy Mack if it's anyone, who among us here is familiar with the story Lone Wolf and Cub? Uh, Adam O'Brien on Facebook was uh, bringing that up, and I've seen that thrown out there a lot. D does anyone have any sort of uh, feet on the ground as far as that story goes, Bill? No. Yeah, no, I, I think. What about Leon, from, the professional? I think he comes from Japanese films. Um, I, I meant to do a little research on Lone Wolf and Cub, but I didn't. But a lot of people are saying, "Hey, 
there are some connections to what we're seeing in the Mandalorian, go, you know, specifically between the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, that have uh, echoes oh. of Lone Wolf and Cub. Lone Wolf and Cub. Well, I'm not yeah. familiar with that, but I what certainly is... am, am familiar with Leon the Professional. Yeah, now, where you have well, a hitman. You, well, that was one of Natalie Portman's first films. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where you have a hitman that ends up sort of taking this young girl under his wing. Oh, three um, three Godfathers. Did you ever see that, John Wayne? No, uh-uh. that's a, a western, uh, and they have the three outlaws have a baby uh, that they have to protect. Three outlaws and uh-huh. a baby. That's well, they, one of they my come favorites. A, three. <laughs> Well, three. You know what? I think it might be. It I think Ted it might Danson be connected that? to that movie somehow. There might be uh, intellectual uh, property. It might be a remake of Three Godfathers. Now that I think Jeez. about it. But um, yeah, it's John Wayne and and I think John Wayne, it? Steve Gutenberg, Harry Carey Jr. I think Harry they, Carey Jr. Yeah, I mean, well, Harry Carey it's Jr. A, yeah, yeah. You mean, well, he, no, not Connick Jr. Not Harry Carey. No, there was an actor named Harry Harry Carey, uh, and, and he was in westerns and stuff. And they 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 find a woman who, oh god, it's been so long since I've seen this. All right, well, let's not get too in the weeds about right. the three Godfathers. Three Godfathers. Happens, Eric? Three Godfathers. See what happens, Eric. Look, you got this down is, this rabbit trail. Sorry. It's, All right. There's got to be a connection. Hey, I'll let you guys go. Last. All right. Two down. Two Matt to go. Seeing you on the yeah. show tonight. No, I can't remember the fourth thing, so I'll leave you with the third. Billy Matt, great to see you on the show. And yeah, thanks, I man. love the fact you're rocking Colt 45 back there. So <laughs> keep up the great work, guys. Take Is that care. What you got? Uh, thanks. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Merle Life. We love you out there in Phoenix. All right, let's go to um, who do we got? We've got, uh, it looks like Jacob from Indiana. Jacob, uh, you're on with uh, Rebel Force Radio. Hello. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Absolutely. All right, great. Um, so real quick, uh, I've got one about uh, the last episode, the first one. Um, I noticed tonight when I was watching it again that Karga mentions uh, one of the pucks that he drops is for a wanted smuggler. What do you guys you think that might be a certain smuggler? Oh, Han Solo? <laughs> um, ah. Yeah. I don't know. Does he say former, former smuggler? Is that what he says, or is just a wanted smuggler? Wanted smuggler. Yeah. Wanted smuggler. I, I, I like that. I like that it could be Han Solo. It could be, yeah. Uh, could be Lando oh, Calrissian too. Smuggler gets thrown yeah, around, true. and often, a lot of times, is a very common profession oh, yeah, in the Star sure. Wars galaxy. But uh, there could be something very yeah. specific about that. Uh-huh. I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, uh, one quick thing. I thought it was funny seeing the little, little guy swallow a frog whole. That was neat. That was weird. <laughs> that was. <laughs> All right. Now that's interesting. Now, see, at the very beginning, when they're walking through that rocky valley, and the Mandalorian, it's 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 the very first thing we see in this episode. You see these little lizards running along with the Mandalorian and the capsule holding the baby Yoda. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm thinking to myself, this baby definitely has a connection to nature and animals. And and there's a force Mm. connection that causes these little reptiles to connect. And then we see it later on a much bigger scale when the the infant Yoda can make the mudhorn reek 
float in the air. <laughs> you know, he blocked his yeah. attack. So there's definitely a connection that this little guy has to um, at least reptiles of all sort of different shapes and sizes. But I, I remember, thought, remember it was Dave Filoni that gave us Ezra that was showing great powers right. when it came to animals. Right. And, you know, this is something I wanted to see actually from the Porgs in The Last Jedi. I thought that they would be connected to Luke and they would be able to, like, surround him and act on his will via connection through the Force. But they, they just turned turn out to be a bunch of dumb birds. But, um, I mean, because that's all they did. I thought because they were populating that island so much and that island seemed to have a strong connection to the Force that the Porgs would be connected to the Force and to Luke in that sort of way. That was my early speculation for The Last Jedi. Now, looking at this little Yoda and seeing the lizards skip along happily with them as they're walking through that that area that, at the beginning of the show, I was like, well, you know, he's got, he's got that connection to the mm-hmm. lizards that I wanted to see yeah. Luke have with the Porgs, but it just didn't happen, so... Right. I wonder. I don't know why I I was in such denial about this uh, yodeling having force powers. I didn't want to go there because I thought, all right, but we can't make this assumption, right? I mean, just because we've met Yoda and Yaddle who are force sensitive doesn't mean that everyone in the species is is going to be that way. I mean, right. you know, that's that's a dangerous way of thinking you know when you put everybody into boxes like that mm-hmm. um but when he kind of toddled over as the mandalorian was uh working on his wounds and trying to you know fix himself up and he was putting his you know his little little paws out or whatever you want to call them claws uh so little claws right uh, out I-, I thought oh well, okay this is sort of cute but and then you know with the with the big hairy reek or whatever you want to call it uh, Mudhorn. Mudhorn, yes. It was uh, very obvious that we're dealing with a, a force sensitive because I didn't think they were going to go there. I'm not upset that they are. I think it's quite cool, actually. Um, uh, I, it just you, shows just how that, ballsy they're going to be with this show. Yeah. Do you think that uh, it kind of seemed like the Mandalorian, after that happened, that he saw that the little guy as possibly being a potential mortal enemy because of using the force and the history that Mandalorians have with like Jedi and stuff. Okay. I, I see why you might go that way. It didn't, it, that, that beat didn't hit the me the same way. Have I wasn't like, carrying that in. Um, I was looking at it like he was thinking that, this was something I need to protect. Uh, he he feels, I think, mm. responsible for this little guy. Um, yeah, I don't know, Bill Jim. Did you get a sense that he, you know, is in any way carrying some of this maybe animosity or grudge that the Mandalorians could have uh, with with Jedi or Force sensitive mm-hmm. beings? No, you know, I think we're in an era of Star Wars right now where knowledge of the Jedi and the Force and things like that have been severely suppressed. Because keep in mind, Han Solo said, you know, that's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo nonsense. He didn't believe mm-hmm. in it. And uh, I, I think that 
this is a new era of Mandalore, uh, Mandalorian, I should say, that doesn't really have any sort of um, connection to the Jedi and the involvement in the Clone Wars and all of that. This is more specific mm-hmm. about the Mandalorian culture from their point of view. Like I said at mm-hmm. the beginning of the show, there are just so many different approaches to being a Mandalorian right. that we've been presented to over the years that uh, I look at him as coming from a sect of Mandalorian who is extremely guided by faith and religion and um, hey, connection to I, that. Yeah, while that's uh, top of mind, because Jim, you, you'd mentioned when he says that line about the weapon as part of his religion. Mm-hmm. I took that as sarcasm. You did. I didn't. No, I no. did. I took that as sarcasm. No, I, I took look that straight quite forward. literally. No. Okay. No, because it gets further validated by Queel the Ugnot when the Jawas are bartering and they ask for the Beskar armor. And Quill says he can't give up. He's a Mandalorian. He can't give uh, up. Okay. It would be right. like you know exchanging his heart for uh, the ship parts. So uh, no, I, I think uh, that's to be taken on face value. That he's definitely yeah. he has a connection to I, his weaponry. I don't know how how sar- I mean I don't I don't know how sarcastic it is, but but it might be a little bit tongue in cheek, like mm. like kind of in the way that that Irishmen such as myself and my brother talk about how we like to drink, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of, I, that, that's the vibe I got. Hey, Jacob, uh, from Indiana. Thanks very much for calling. Appreciate it. Uh, we got it. We got someone from Ohio here. This is, uh, Zach from OHIO. Hopefully Zach is going to be with us for uh, Skywalker rises in Ohio. We'll find out. Hey, Zach, what's going on? Hey guys, how you doing? Good, how are you? I am fantastic. Just got done watching The Mandalorian, and I am so stoked that my childhood Star Wars is back. Yes! Yes! Are you are you an OT uh, OT uh, Star Wars fan, or uh, is that when you so were a I'm kid? I'm in, like, my mid-30s. Oh, okay. So I'm in my mid-30s, so, you know, I grew up with uh, the VHS special editions, mm. but I, I really loved it all. Well, let, let me. So, you're, if you're in your 30s, did you go see the special editions in the theater? You would have been like in your early yeah. teens. Oh, you did. Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I would have been like I was middle school when the prequels came started coming out. Nice. Perfect. But I uh, elementary would have been like the special editions, and that was my first introduction to Star Wars in the theater. But I grew up watching the VHSs. Wow. Wow. So how does this work for you is, I mean, you're obviously, I would say your original trilogy generation, because that's where you come from. Despite your age, you jumped on board during the special edition era, which was prior to the prequel era, obviously, and uh, everything that followed it. So your foundation in the wars is specifically original trilogy. Yes, sir. And right. Boba Fett was my favorite from the get-go. Awesome. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, yeah. So this show, because of Boba Fett being a particular favorite of yours, is 
hitting you in all the right spots, right? It's scratching all the itches as a Star Wars fan for you. Absolutely. Mandos are and always have been my niche favorite part of Star Wars. So I was definitely into all the Republican Mando books and, you know, the Clone Wars art troopers, all of it. You know, most of my black series I have are Mandos or Boba. So yeah, right, well, definitely it's, it's really, really ringing for me. Okay. Let, let me ask you this because I'm, I'm curious. Um, and I have a, a sense of what the answer might be, but let's say that this was not a Mandalorian character. Let's say you had all of the same uh, plot points and major beats in this in these first two episodes, but he might have been just kind of a random smuggler, right? Maybe he was, uh, I don't know, maybe he was from, um, where's Han from again? Corellia. <laughs> Corellia, maybe he's a Corellia smuggler. Uh, it, is the show hitting you because you get to see that T-shaped visor and that Mandalorian armor, or is it hitting you in in other areas as well? Because I know the Mando maniacs. By the way, Jimmy, um, multiple folks have said that that should be your opening. Oh, hey, show. Mando maniacs! Man, Mando maniacs! Oh, I like that um, one. Someone said Fandalorians. I wasn't really. Done oh, that's with a, that. That's not nah, too bad. Um, but, it's not bad, but I like Mando maniac. Sounds more Mando. like something I would say. By the way, did you notice Queel called him Mando? Oh, Mando. did he? And did I, he just yeah. say the, uh, the abbreviated? Yeah, I called him Mando when, when he was coming back after having uh, secured the egg. Well, also at the very beginning in the, ep- the first episode, when he goes in to get that blue alien out of the bar in Hatties, one of them. You mean them the says, worst Star Wars character no, ever? No, no, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not throwing down that way. You have your opinion. I have mine. I, I, I kind of liked him. Do I think he's right out of There's Next Generation? Yes, I do. But no, I thought he was fine. And also, you know, a lot of people did point out, Jason, there are other aliens in Star Wars who have sp- spoken English. No problem. Like many, who? many others. Well, I mean, in animation, tons of them. Oh, uh, well. I, I okay, said, but outside of animation. I said animation, yes. Outside of animation, you have um, Ayla Sakura. You have, or no, she doesn't talk. She talks. I'm, no, I'm thinking about the other one, um, um, the one that looks like Ahsoka but isn't. Um, uh, Shakti. Shakti. Yoda. She she talks English in the outtakes. Um, Yoda. Outtakes. Yoda, but Yoda has <laughs> Yoda an exotic quality. He speaks. He speaks. He he flip flops his sentences, but he does. Right. Yeah, he's he does. Uh, Ki Mundi. Uh, there's one. Um, Conehead. Um, and there's there's has many an others. accent though. He has a little bit of an accent. He doesn't sound like you know just a dude from the Midwest. Masamita, order. We shall have order. He's like order. Yeah. So he's kind of he's got the British thing going. There's just I'm come on. I so, can't so, believe. I mean, and so I mean, but it's still this. it's terrible. He's still it's speaking awful. English. Ah, you guys going back it's to this? So bad. Well, I liked him. I liked all. I liked everything about him. He's my favorite character now. You know what? You're just now he's my favorite character. <laughs> That's all you care about is just fighting me right the now. The blue alien. You can love him. You, it's it, it's okay. He has very attractive glands. <laughs> <laughs> I he reminded oh, me of the Orville though. Yeah. The, was right. that, did you guys bring that up? In the midst of asking you a question and you didn't get the answer, what beyond the Mando armor is turning you on about this show? The blue skin alien. Well, it's. Yeah, yeah, the musk is really, really, really a benefit for me. 
but uh, <laughs> no, it's just flat out. It is great TV. It is it is fantastic storytelling, and I think for all of us, that is the root of why we love Star Wars so much. It's our favorite delivery method of the age old storyline, but with cool space wizards with laser swords. And Dave Filoni and John Favreau are just flat out making a gorgeous fantastic with the music everything it just looks spectacular yeah there's something about yeah. the vibe of the whole production that just seems to work it's so spaghetti italian western yeah it's absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic space western like it's it's amazing yeah. so and i don't care if he's a mandalorian under the mask or not one of the things that i loved from the old you was the mando with the viking vibe where you just, as long as you came and absorbed yourself in that culture and you upheld, like, the honor and restraint and, like, the Mando code, you could be a Mando. And I think that's where they are also going with that coven. And, the fa- you know, the foundlings is, you know, Dave Filoni and Favreau loved to rip from the ODU, which we're grateful for. And they had a lot of that adopting, you know, war orphans, you know. Um, so it's, and, and you see the Mando clearly sticking to a code. You know, and I, I think it's more specific than just the Bounty Hunters Guild. It's more the Mando Code. Yeah, and uh, I, I do agree with you that there, it definitely has a lot of Western mythology. Oh, for sure. Yeah, great John Ford, all big that, time, big time. Yeah. Well, again, that's that's what Filoni does. Is he doesn't just try to ape George Lucas. He looks at what motivated and inspired George Lucas and brings that into stars. Hey, Zach, thank you very much. Where in Ohio are you from, by the way? I'm from Columbus. I didn't get to, I want to tell you, well, the one thing about what I thought about the Mando, though, the armor, that was what I called for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think if you look, I haven't been able to look close, but I'm thinking maybe that is Boba's armor, because once it scrapes off some of the blaster bolts in the fight, it almost looks like it could be that green underneath. So that's where that I'm just throwing that so out. So the more beat up he gets, it's like a scratch off, lottery scratch off. <laughs> By the end of the season, we're going to yeah. see that it's and that's, Boba's armor. Yeah, what? and like Sabine repainted her armor, and you know they pulled his. You know they, you know that Boba's armor made it out of Sarlacc, even if Boba didn't. No. So maybe that's the recovered armor, and he was part of the clan, and you know he just layered over his own paint. So I don't know. There mm. was there was a. a one of those interludes in the uh, aftermath novels that featured someone purchasing the, this Mandalorian armor. And it was kind of set up like as if it was found out in the desert somewhere. And we know, of course, Boba yeah. Fett has climbed out of that Sarlacc pit a million times in the expanded universe. Uh, most notably in dark, oh, yeah. dark, horses, dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but right now we have to assume Boba Fett is dead. We have to assume that Correct. he is in the Sarlacc. But I mean, George Lucas was pretty flexible about bringing back Boba Fett. He, that was something that definitely he heard fans yelling and screaming about. No, no he can't possibly be dead. I, I heard George Lucas himself. They won't let him die. They won't yeah. let him die. <laughs> they won't let him die. Yeah. And, and Lucas is laughing. You know, he's like, yeah, just created this thing to stand up in the background and stuff. But who knew? Who knew? Listen, everyone knew that was the coolest armor we ever saw in any science fiction, anything. Absolutely. When Boba Fett debuted in Empire Strikes Back. I remember hanging out in our neighborhood, Billy Mac, with, you know, hanging out with guys uh, up and down the street. And they would only refer to 
Boba Fett is the bounty hunter because he didn't really he, he was not identified in the film. And I started walking around with my Boba Fett iron on T-shirt. Yeah. And that clarified to everyone. I was like, you know, the Did you first get that at the mall at that I... at the store in the mall where you pick out the iron on. And they yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, had, yeah. Right, we had one right down the street, right yeah. down the street. There was a, 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 a strip mall, a giant strip mall. It's still there. And um, there was a T-shirt shop in there. Personally and, yeah. for you. Was that what it was called? <laughs> Personally for you. Yeah. That was and, the name of the yeah. shop. Yeah. Personally for you. And you'd get your name. You can get your name. Like, remember back then, because kids would get their name on the back of the yes. shirts. Like, you would never, yes. you never see that anymore. No, you don't. Well, no, you no, don't want no. You, you don't want the creeps knowing your yeah, kid's the, name. Yeah, the, the predators. Right. Like, you'd get like that rainbow lettering or whatever on the back. It hey, was so common. Come here. But my he Boba Fett my name. <laughs> my Boba Fett iron on. I got a uh, Lando said, iron on from there. And you got a Lando? Yeah, Do yeah. you still have it? No, we had a bunch of them though. We had you had a, a Stormtrooper one, uh, and then yeah, there was the Boba Fett one. And uh, I remember I had the a Boba Lando. Fett. I had a Lando. I, I and, remember uh, the Boba Fett. I was instantly attracted to the look and the vibe and the cool factor of that character the very first time I saw him. So when I went to, it was called Personally for You? Personally for You. That sounds yeah. like such a... I did, <laughs> well, I'm going to Personally for You to get myself an iron Boba Fett iron on it. Yeah. I, that sounds Things very foreign for me. Or Charlie's Angels or Steve not, Martin. This doesn't sound cool. <laughs> Everything in cool. the 80s was cool. It, this was cool. This was, so you, I, could, I could still smell the shop. I could oh, yeah. still smell it. Oh, yeah. You know, it had a very distinct odor. And so I walked out of there with my Boba Fett shirt on. You know, he's just badass. Jeremy Bullock standing there in that armor. And um, yeah, and all my friends would say, oh, Boba Fett. They would call him like, it's Bubba, Bubba, Bubba Fett. Bubba uh, Fett. Bubba Fett. Um, no, Baba. Yeah, that was a good one. But that was, yeah, they would all say, oh, you know, Vader just calls him Bounty Hunter. Like oh no, yeah. the, the well, hardcore hey, fans. You know, speaking of Vader, by the way, Zach, thank you so much. Thanks, for calling. Zach. Appreciate it. Um, hopefully, he can join us for Skywalker Rises in Ohio. It's only a couple hours drive from Columbus, right, up to Cleveland. There um, are a few I tickets ask, left. Speaking of of Darth Vader and bounty hunters, mm-hmm. we finally got to see disintegrations. Oh yeah, mm. that's one oh, heck yeah, of we a did. weapon he's got there. That did blow that. No guy up. disintegrations. And when I was a kid, the way I interpreted that line, by the way, in Empire, I, it was it was almost like I thought he was saying like like no disintegrations meant like no deviation from what I'm asking you to do. Um, I didn't really I didn't think as a kid that he meant literally do not disintegrate yeah. these, these people. Um, but there it up. is, man. Yeah. That is a that is a badass weapon he's got. Yeah, yeah. It, but it did, you know, it blew that Trandoshan into smithereens. But somehow the tracker was the only thing that remained. <laughs> did you? Re- uh, well, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe it works more on organic matter now, than it does. So, Bill, oh. rewind the scene. What? Yeah. Did why you replay it? Cause, Cause, well, just because it? it was a really cool scene. I oh, thought, I thought. I re I replayed it. I thought there was a But I you know, let me ask you guys something too about the uh yeah. Well this is this is my next comment about the Jawas. So he, he disintegrated a couple of Jawas and you you see uh basically the robe is left over that's I- true. The robe flies up in the air and comes back down. Now in the original 
in a new home. What are you? Are you taking his clothes? Well, on? I'm just wondering what's going on underneath here. Anyway, there's nothing going on underneath. It's just, <laughs> what do you think is going on underneath? <laughs> underneath the Jawa cloak. <laughs> um, no, but in the original, uh, in a new hope, because uh, this got me thinking about. That that scene where they uh, where where Ben and three PO and all of them come across the right. sand crawler and they they they're burning the bodies and uh, when I was a kid I always thought it was just it, it was just the robes I thought like the Jawas had disappeared um, when they I just thought that they that's what happened when they die I mean they're just like oh. black you know I mean what are they anyway I just thought you know you <laughs> shoot them and they melt or something. <laughs> Like, like if you see that scene, doesn't it just look like they're just burning the the robes? Well, they, yeah, because they they look very flattened. Yeah, and um, although I've seen some uh, uh, set uh, some some uh, photographs from the set, and they they did have, uh, you know, there were dummy bodies in there. So I mean, I guess it was intended to be their their actual bodies, but but well, it, but but in this show, when they show show them getting zapped by. Uh, by the Mandalorian, I thought maybe they were just kind of, you know, disappearing. But on the other hand, Mandalorian disintegration. So that that's what he does yeah. anyway. So yeah. Well, I, I and I just, know. I just, I loved seeing the interior of the sand crawler. I, I, I just, I thought they really got the Jawas right. You know, when you see sometimes them trying to recreate something uh, from forty some years ago, it just you know, maybe feels off a little bit, but I thought it just, it just felt so right. Red, so perfect. Red eyes though, right? Well, yeah. the red eyes, because that's the off world Jawa. So apparently when they go what off Tatooine, oh. the eyes go red, but aren't, haven't we found out that the, the redness of the eyes, their goggles that they're actually wearing. Nobody said that. That's never been yeah. confirmed well, there, or no, verified now, okay, that those all right. are goggles. Well, there was, there was a, Top's trading card right. for the uh, what was that? What was that top set of trading cards that came out? That really it was at the same time that the Bendems were coming out in like '93. Oh, you're thinking we're about of before the Star Wars Galaxy? Yes, trading cards, but those were yes. all just artist depictions, right? Of but there was things. a yeah. an unhooded Jawa. Was it? There was, and he had little uh, I uh, what you call it's like like little um, yeah like like binoculars. No, no, no. That's an imposter. That's an imposter. That's not a real Jawa. You speak Jawa like a Wookie. That was a great line. And then he opens the flame flower thrower up on them. Come on. Oh. I mean, he just treats it. You know, they're just little space rodents. Those Jawas. Right. Oh, and I love the scene. Oh, I love when he yanks the one out of the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he just tumbles down to the ground. I just this show was so refreshing in so many ways. It just wasn't. It just was fun. And not only Good do we Lord think about just, this for a second. Not yeah. only do we get to actually go inside. A live action Jawa Sandcrawler for the very mm-hmm. first time. But we get to go up into the cockpit well, and yeah, that's see. Right. Yeah. And so he's well, in there. In, we've been inside. We just haven't been in the. Oh, I guess. I, you're, you're sorry. Of course, we've been inside. Yeah. We've been in the, the hold there. But that's not glamorous like the, the cockpit. So we're right. up in there with 
a human who has to be on his hand, you know, on his knees there, scrunched out. They hit a little bump and he bashes his head on the ceiling. They all start laughing at him. It's, the the Jawas just have this irreverent take on life. It's you know they just want the scrap and they want some oh, eggs and that's dude, all I they love, need. I love, I love the fact that you know he 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 waged this. He was like a sniper. He was like taking these Jawas out. Which by the way, did you kind of was the whole idea that he wanted to. Uh, overtake the sand crawler and use the sand crawler as a as a vehicle for his own devices. Is that what he was? No, he wanted his stuff back. Yeah, he wanted all of he the was, gear they. And what is he? He so calls it. He doesn't, minute, he doesn't, no, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. What threw me off was that he came upon uh, upon the sand crawler before he came upon his ship that had already been stripped. Well, he caught them the in the act. He, yeah, he just caught them red handed. Yeah, I mean they were both. I mean, it was Sorry. happening when he got back he, there. Oh, he was. They were stripping. The, they were in the, the process. Of oh, yeah. It. They they looked oh, like they okay. were several started, hours he, into he, it. He, he, okay, I hadn't. I I chased them. Okay, I've only seen it once, so I didn't see the razor crest in that sequence. Oh, yeah, it was right there. It was right was, there. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah stripping, pulling stuff off, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and he calls it. He doesn't call it sand crawl. He calls it a. a, a uh, a traveling yeah, fortress yeah, yeah, or a roving like fortress yeah. or something, but that's just what he calls it. I mean, he, uh, you know, he he's just trying to indicate to us as as viewers that the Jawas are hard to get to once they're in that thing and it's moving, <laughs> and that's how they get away with a lot but of the I, crazy crap. I, I, I dug that, you know, I like that mm-hmm. they would that he would because he doesn't know what it is. You know, it is a traveling fortress. I I, I think that's cool. He clearly know? was away longer than anticipated. Ah, and uh, Nick yes. Nolte uh, Queel says this to him. He said, I thought you were dead. Mm-hmm. So, and clearly the Jawas had been there for quite a while. They were uh, going to town. They took a lot off of that ship. <laughs> it was a skeleton by the time he got back to it. So he had been gone for a while. And by the that, way, there were two. Oh, sorry, Jim. No, nah, that's, that's really all I got to say about it. You know, there were two moments in the, in, you know, in 30 minutes. And, and I got to say, as, as critical as I was uh, in the last episode about the the short running time, this felt like an hour to me, and I, and I don't mean it in a bad way. Like I felt there was so much jam packed in, as you said. I think that if we'd be dealing with sixty minute episodes, that we might get some filler in there, and yeah. there was just mm. no downtime in this episode. But uh, there were two moments where the Mandalorian lost consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first was when he was uh, given that jolt on top of the sand crawler and he fell down and then the second time was during his battle with the uh the horn the hairy horn mm-hmm. monster um and do are we supposed to think that the yodeling had something to do with his coming to because it, it kind of fades like he's losing consciousness then he mm-hmm. comes out and then usually like the next shot is the yodeling so all of the yodeling is kind of bringing him back from the the brink. No, it's a good that. thought. It's a good thought. I mean, I, he's clearly displayed um, a sense of sympathy and protection for the Mandalorian. There's a bond there between the two of them. There was the ET moment where he's reaching out, trying to heal him. Yep. Oh yeah, very ET. Uh huh. Huh. And you know, uh, I have to admit, yep. it, I, it, that was the one scene that I was having trouble getting my feet on the ground watching was the infant Yoda interacting with the Mandalorian as he was trying to cauterize his wound. Um, 
yeah, yeah, I was just like, wow, man, this is a level of, this is a new level of Star Wars weirdness here. And, um, <laughs> you know, because uh, Yoda is such a venerable character, and to see essentially Yoda being portrayed, oh. and I'm not saying it is Yoda, right. but essentially well, seeing Yoda as more an infant. like him makes it, it less special? No, I'm no? not even saying that. It's It's oh. just my... My adaptability to these new elements being introduced to us all these years later after thinking that I knew everything about this character I could possibly want to know. Yeah, but how does it change? I'm not understanding. How does does, it, it, does, it, it doesn't change. You know. It doesn't. All I just said was that it's. It was. It just took me a second to get my feet on the ground for all of that and, all right. to, and to take it all in. I'm, and that's all I'm saying. I just felt uncomfortable for some reason looking at that at, at first. Why? I, I don't know. I couldn't even figure it out myself. And I didn't feel that on subsequent viewings. Hmm. I have seen this episode about three or four times now. Four times. Guys, we have, uh, we've got a caller in from uh, Hawaii, it looks like. This is, uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe maybe Lori? Looks like maybe Lori, but you know, you, you, you never can't tell. But it looks like it's Wailuku, Hawaii. You're on with uh, Rebel Force Radio. Well, hello, hello. Aloha, guys. No, Aloha. Voice is a little bit lower for Lori. Oh, it's sorry. Maui Mark. Lori Mark. Maui Mark. Oh, Maui Mark. Okay. All right. it, <laughs> it, it didn't know Maui. Yeah, so. long time no talk. Well, it's great to hear from you, and uh, aloha. Uh, so what's on your mind tonight? We're talking Mandalorian Chapter 2, The Child. Yeah, I'm going to try and cut down this list of stuff for you. First of all, this is the first. Um, Star Wars related line that my son, who's now almost 28, has enjoyed since episode three. Wow. All the right. He's kind of like, oh, you know, it's okay. It's okay. This one, he, uh, as soon as we told him we we're on Disney Plus and I told him how good the storyline was, he's hooked. He's in. So he, he's waiting. Is- he, once he gets off work, he, he's headed to the TV. <laughs> that, that's, that's good, right? Yeah, oh, no, that's great. I'm glad he's enthusiastic. And that's that's the way I kind of felt, too. Is, uh, when he saw the trailer for Episode Nine, I'm like, okay, this is basically the end of 42 years of Star Wars. Mm. And seeing The Mandalorian, I feel like it's not left. It, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a it's new really beginning. It's just continuing. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I'm yeah, with and, you. And, and I... And I, I I really hope that Disney takes a look at this, sees it for what it is, and asks Dave to start helming and writing the ship. Because it's so off course right now. Well, I'll tell you, his star is rising over there with the debut of this show. And uh, he and Favreau, Mm. it appears, has a great chemistry together. And I don't think that could be underestimated. Yes. And John Favreau has a lot of weight yeah. and clout that he uses over at Disney based on the fact that he's been so successful with the, the Marvel and the Lion King and uh, the Jungle Book. I mean, Favreau is Marvel. Yeah. He is Marvel. And he is Disney. And yeah. this is just another root of his tree that's firmly planting itself in the Magic Kingdom. And... uh I think his attention to detail with Star Wars, his deft 
touch and feel of how the universe operates and his fearlessness as far as just going for it and not worrying about things. It just seems like there's so much baggage surrounding the Star Wars saga films these days that it's just become so Mm -hmm. overwhelming to me. I'm considering the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker next month is something that I am going into feeling very bittersweet about. Sometimes with more of an emphasis on bitter than sweet. And I shouldn't be feeling that way. And and I agree with that. And I've stayed away from every possible um, spoiler that I've uh, been able to. And you guys are about the only thing that I'll listen to in terms of any information. Um, and I see something come up on YouTube. I'm like, nah, later, later. Okay. Wow. Well, we, well, we appreciate that. We do. We do. Very much. Very much. And, uh, of course, oh, and, we can crash at your place when I we go to Hawaii. A Star Wars. You're always welcome to come by, and I'll make you some healthy <laughs> pies that'll rock your world. Oh, Ooh. deal! Uh, nice. Don't I open that Star door. Wars fan or somebody wearing <laughs> Star Wars clothing, I always ask them, "Hey, have you ever heard of Rebel Force Radio?" And I constantly promote you guys. And, oh, thank uh, you. They listen great, but oh, a few you. of them nice are like, "Oh, yeah, I gotta check it out." You know, obviously, wow. doing what we're doing, word of mouth is. Uh, the best kind of advertising we could ever possibly ask for. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you feel inspired yeah. enough to do something like that really uh, makes you uh, a, dev- a superstar in our book. So thank you so much for the support. Oh, yeah. yeah. The scientist that was in the first episode yes. Yes. reminded me an awful lot of the scientists in Rebels, uh, not, not Rebels, um, Clone Wars, where he was developing the poison gas. Dr. Vindy. <laughs> Is that Mike, Michael yeah. York? Michael York? That was Michael yeah. York. Yeah. Oh, good one, Bill. Michael York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people have uh, listened to the show for a long time, and they've heard me talk about how there's never bespeckled characters in Star Wars. You never see someone wearing, you know, straight up glasses. Except Wilford Brimley, <laughs> right? Wasn't that the Well, thing? yeah, yeah. I, yeah, he refused LASIK and and con, con, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, he's like, no, man, no, no, just get me a bowl of oatmeal. But um, you never really have seen anyone wearing glasses in the Star Wars universe. We've seen goggles aplenty, uh, looking at you, Hondo Onaka. But glasses, regular glasses, we finally see them with Dr. Pershing. And uh, I don't want to see him, quite honestly. It, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't, to me, feel right for the the Star Wars aesthetic, the vibe. You'd figure a galaxy far, far away has got LASIK surgery down pretty, you know, that, that's a thing. So, but whatever. <laughs> I, I just am wondering what the, you know, why they would suddenly d- decide to introduce this guy as the, the one glasses-wearing character that we meet in the Star Wars universe in live action, except for Wilford Bremley. But... Uh, you know, I mean, maybe just they don't even care about it. It just fits his character. He's a scientist. He's a doctor. A lot of doctors wear glasses, I guess. I don't know. Even in the galaxy far, far away. Two last things I'll, two last things I'll leave you with. The Jawa, uh, when they got that egg and they cracked it open, I swear all I could think of was these guys are hooked on cat, Cadbury eggs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, you know, I was, I, I was confused because I thought it was... Um, 
like a religious artifact for them. I thought they revered those eggs. He held it up yeah. and they were all like, oh, you know, I thought it, they were going to have some sort of faith-based moment. But instead, it's just a pig-out situation, you know. They love the eggs. It's a treat. Right? Yeah. That's a treat for them. And it's it's funny to watch it the again. The yolk was on them. They all... <laughs> Hello. I thought when they said the egg, I thought they were referring to that thing that the yodeling was inside that they had okay yeah i did that crossed my mind Uh too but um and then i thought maybe it was a crate dragon because in the past there's been this pearl that the crate dragon would create that the jawas revered and i thought maybe the egg or the crate dragon egg or something but it turned out to be this mud horn delicacy (laughs) that these guys get off on and um i think the mandalorian himself was under the assumption that he was out to get uh, something that amplifies their faith. It's a religious artifact. It's something that's revered in their culture. And then when he saw them cut into that, that thing and all go nuts, there's a real. Then yeah. he he gave that reaction. There's like, a reaction. Yeah, these, yeah, these, these just, like, he's just, just like said, I. Uh, there was so much uh, humor in that whole sequence. <laughs> I mean, I was just laughing my ass. The off. The Jawas themselves promote <laughs> funny moments. Yeah, yeah, and. It was so great to see that being played on here in this show. And they did a great job replicating that classic 1977 Jawa sound, that dialect. The, the, oh, the mean, whispering, all the, all the whispering they do. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah, and the laughing. Well, and, and how yeah. about when they shoot the Mandalorian and it's, it has, he, he turns all blue glowy and stuff just like when they shot R2. Oh yeah, and, uh, with, the, like, with, the, with the bolts and all that. It, how I would how would if this about... had played with the Williams music though? I was I was thinking about that, like the, uh-huh. the you know just some notes of the 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 the, the Jawa themes from from A New Hope. What what how it would have changed? Would would if that have changed how you well, felt? I, I don't know. I just. Yeah, it seemed was, like it could have come in at any moment. You know, it was so close. Yeah, I was actually waiting for the Force theme. When the yodeling was, uh, you know, pushing back on that 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 hairy horn beast or whatever it was, yeah. um, and I, as far as the Jawas were concerned, I was I was thinking of our old buddy uh, uh, Otis Otis Frampton, who has the Jawa Adventures uh, pitch for the comic book series. Um, I thought that these seemed like very Otis Frampton type Jawas. They all had their own little personalities i i thought what was so funny about them is that you know they were all undone by the fact that the mandalorian had uh, disintegrated a few of their own uh but they were they were ready to sit down and do business with the guy <laughs> you know like their pride only goes so far when it gets in the way of money and trading and all of that you know they're all in. well they're they're a collective you know i mean there's just right. like some of the worker bees got got zapped you know it's no big it's probably no big deal to them <laughs> And I loved on my second viewing, knowing what the egg actually was, just a self-indulgent treat for the Jawas. <laughs> it's funny to watch the episode a second time because when they're conducting the negotiations between Queel, the Mandalorian, and the Jawas, the, the Jawas get to they they want the egg they huddle together and they said the egg the egg the egg and and you see quill he's just like oh jesus not the egg again <laughs> oh, oh so he God. knows yeah he knows he exactly knows that that's what this is. he sure does he sure does <laughs> so bizarre. oh man suka, hey, suka, uh... suka 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 <laughs> 
Mark, oh. thanks so much, and uh, yeah. best to you last, and, and, last, and your son. Last note I, yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last note I could could I leave you on? Um, yeah. The, I, I'm looking at the whole story arc, and I'm wondering if this is the um, story arc of a Mandalorian going from Merc to a Man of Honor. Mm. Okay. I think so. From, I think I think so. Because he's... He's collecting all these bounties and everything, and then within one storyline, you can see the trans—the beginning of the transformation where he's actually caring for young Yoda, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. You can see more emotion, more passion in his conviction rather than, oh, yeah, it's just another bounty. Yeah, and we just don't know why exactly yet, what, what his thought processes are. are. Although, but, they'll flesh that out. They've got to. I mean, he's the main character. I mean, there's got to yeah. be some way to generate sympathy for him. And, um, I mean, what more obvious way to do that than with a little cute little baby? I mean. <laughs> right, right. Thanks, hey, Mark. thanks, guys, so much. Hey. You guys are awesome. And, Thank and you so just much. Just let me know when you guys are coming down, and I'll get some stuff ready for you. That'd be awesome. Cool. I keep waiting for a Star Wars Celebration Honolulu. Uh, that would be amazing. Let's. Uh, I think we have time for uh, one more call here. I believe this is Nathan. Hello, Nathan. You've been waiting a long time. We appreciate it. You're on with Rebel Force Radio. Hello. Hello, Nathan. Nathan. You're on the air. Did we lose Nathan? Going once. Lagrange, Illinois. That sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's no what kidding. it says. But it looks like uh, he might have. Uh, and left. Let's let's try Maryland. We've got Kevin. Kevin from Maryland. You're on with Rebel Force Radio. Hello. Hey. It's it's Evan, actually. Oh, Evan. Okay. We were yeah, close. It's you know. me. Yes. Yeah, you were close. Just one vowel. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> hey. Listen, How are you tonight? Listen, I just want to say I'm doing great. It's my birthday. Hey, happy oh, birthday. Happy birthday. Fantastic. Yeah. So, Super stoked I got on with you guys. Um, well, so are my we. Third time talk, third time talking to you guys. Cool. I'm glad I got the OT trilogy. I got you know Jason, Jimmy, and Billy right here. OT <laughs> we are. And OT. I am actually having. I, I I please forgive me. I've been having some bourbon while I've been on hold. So uh, oh, so fine. Yes. <laughs> but hey, listen! I I just wanted to say a few things. Um, yes, cheers, cheers, sir. Yes, uh, sir. Bottoms things. up. This has been, uh, you know, second episode. Uh, this has been fantastic. It feels like again original trilogy to me. Um, one of the things that I really took away from this one was the fact that um, you know we really got to see some things that were a little scary to me. I, I mean, here's some things that I took away from it. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, the sand crawler has the best wheel wheel drive ever. <laughs> it sure right? does. Uh, Eight wheel drive or something. So like. good. So those, good. Those but treads. you know, I love the shot inside the cockpit. It reminded me of like, it reminded me of Hoth, that scene where, you know, they're in the ad at and they're oh, going yeah. through and it, it had that kind of vibe, that look. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, uh, the other thing that I thought was great was there was this weird thing, you know, looking back to George Lucas's uh, take on the the serials and stuff. And I swear to God, when I was watching the Mandalorian climb up that sand crawler after he shot his grappling hook, 
it reminded me of old school Adam West yeah. and Burt Ward, Batman, yeah. climbing up <laughs> a damn apartment complex. And it was so great. It, it was so nostalgic and it felt so good. Like this whole thing, you know, what, like like you guys were saying earlier, when I saw it was going to be a shorter episode, immediately I was like, oh, man, can I just get an hour, please? But as this progressed, I, I agree with what Jason said. It felt like an hour. And, like, yeah. you know, as it was going through and I was like, this is so exciting, I actually had to look at the time code a couple times to be like, wow, is this really as short as I think it is? Because it moved so well and it breathed so well. And, you know, I just loved I just loved the storyline. And I'll tell you what, the, the third thing I learned was this. If 50-year-old Yoda Jr. can lift up a mud horn, then, listen, Yoda lifting up Luke's X-Wing and Empire was a piece of cake. Yeah. Well, it well, took a lot. It took a lot what, out of that little that little Yoda yeah, baby, though. Knocked him out for days. It, it did. It did. <laughs> but he was only fifty, and 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 the Yoda we got in Empire was you know what, like seven hundred and fifty years old at that point, maybe you know. So, I, I appreciate uh, I was, the only I'll fifty line. What. Let me tell you that. But you know, um, it's only right, fifty, right, bro. Right. Hey, listen. Hey, hey, hey. Jimmy, I turned forty-three. I turned forty-three, bro. So oh, I'm, I'm happy here. birthday! I'm here. Happy I'm, birthday! I'm feeling it. Thanks, brother. That's but awesome, you know, the, the other thing I just wanted to—the other thing I just want to say real quick—is that um, you know, the whole idea. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the Star Wars show or if you watched. Yeah, that, I watch it. One thing, Filoni. Uh, yeah, one thing Filoni was just talking about the last episode they uploaded that I thought was brilliant about how this really this 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 series of you have someone who's in a helmet right and and i hearken it back to like david prowse and jeremy bullock like in the original boba fett you know dave was talking about um pascal being you know in this helmet and using that t visor as almost a cowboy hat right like the brim of that and i thought that was like the coolest Mm. yes and i thought that was like the coolest thing because you get so many feels and vibes just mm-hmm. without, you know, without any kind of real, um, you know, facial. It's almost like Anthony Daniels as 3PO. Right. You know, the yeah. magic he did. We're getting that same thing. Yeah. And, dude, guys, I mean, I, I prepared for this. I, I tell you what, I prepared for the second episode. I popped in my old TDK VHS of Return of the Jedi recorded off HBO back in like 80, oh, 87 man. maybe it was mm, and I wow. watched that on this terrible old CRT monitor and then I you know then I watched tonight's episode and I'm telling you what man this just feels so good to be a Star Wars fan right now you know Boy, it does. and I know not everybody listening to you guys is going to get that OT vibe but I know you guys do and you know I, I appreciate y'all and Man, it just feels so good, so damn good. You know, <laughs> it does. Hey, so. happy birthday to you! Uh, thank Thanks, you so brother. much for Thanks. yep. Thank you, bro. Cheers. Uh, appreciate the call and uh, all the best to you. Oh my gosh, guys, we could go on, but you know what? We've only got a few more days, and we're going to have uh, you know a week here. We're going to have another episode of The Mandalorian, and so Jim, remember we were talking about the IMDb details, and yes. we were concerned about Nick Nolte maybe only being in one episode. Well, he's up to two now. Well, those so, those IMDb um, stats they have changed. Oh, they, have they? They have okay. changed, and and you have. Um, 
Pedro Pascal still being the only cast member who is registering all eight episodes, followed by a guy um, named Kyle Pasek, who plays a Jawa, and he is slated for seven episodes. Hmm. So something tells me we're going to be seeing more Jawas in this show. And uh, father and mother appear in four episodes. I have to assume that those are the uh, characters we saw dressed in magenta in the flashback sequences in episode one. Mm. Um, You have uh, a few others uh, really not putting in too much time as far as episodes go. Uh, You do have Nick Nolte here on IMDb credited as the character of Queel for two episodes. Oh. And uh, Grief Karga okay. still right. only registers one episode. Werner Herzog still only episode uh, registers one episode. And uh, Taika Watiti only registers one episode. Um, notably absent from this list is um, is um, the person whose name I'm totally spacing right oh, now. The, the, the uh, Imperial, right? Uh, right. He's not... Uh, well, that would. Are you thinking oh, of uh, Esposito Giancarlo? Yes, yeah. he's I'm not thinking, here. I'm thinking of Giancarlo, yeah. and I'm also thinking of Gina Carano, who I'm not seeing right. on this list. So this is gradually being updated. Yeah, it's a work in progress. This is a work in progress. It's so much of it is under wraps. I think that's all that they've been able to confirm. That's all that means, right? Yeah, that's what I think so too. Um, so, you know, you just have to be careful what you see online and stuff and, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt, as Billy Mac says. A grain yeah. of salt. Hey, the Werner Herzog thing. I kind of got to the bottom of this mystery. Uh, we've been talking for a few weeks on the show about, uh, what is it about Werner Herzog? Why are, yeah. why are millennials and Gen Z people <laughs> really just like... Are they so excited about him? What is this? What is it? Well, I I got to the bottom of it. I I went to my expert Generation Z uh, cast member, and that would be my son, Michael, who's 20 years Uh old. Okay. And uh, because he came up to me, he's like, he was like, I'm going to get a Mandalorian. I'm like, all right, all right, dude, tell me. It's like on The Simpsons or something. Tell me. Is that it? Settle down, Billy. Would you let me talk? That was a guess. I got it. I said, I said, what is it about this guy? And he goes, well, you know, he's a great German filmmaker. I said, there's a lot of great German filmmakers. What is it about Werner Herzog that gets you guys so excited? He goes, well, he does a lot of documentaries. And so I said, a lot of people do documentaries. What is it about Werner Herzog that gets you so excited? He said, well, he, he did appear in an episode of Rick and Morty. And I was like, aha! Aha! Rick and Morty. That's it? And an episode of The Simpsons. That that Billy Mac, you know, Billy Mac peed all over my story there at the very beginning. (laughs) Didn't let me get through it. But yes, he did. It was a good guess, though. You got to admit. It was a good guess. I wasn't asking for a guess, though. I was doing an investigative (laughs) report. This is why you're not on the weekly show regularly. And this is why we often make you do puppeteering, is because you pull off stuff like this. Oh, it's all (laughs) unfolding. (laughs) All right. will, Will we get the Lando puppet? To join us on an after show, maybe uh, he's got to have a reason future. to appear. Gotta, you gotta, well, he's gotta, he's gotta he does. That, kinda... That's true. We can't shoehorn him in and just yeah, every little. We need uh, like a cameo from Lobot or something, and then we could get the expert right. analysis. 
Well, what a great time this has been talking about uh, the second episode of the first season of The Mandalorian, The Child. Uh, I I am so in on this series. I, I, call me a shill. Call me whatever. Uh, it just <laughs> feels shill. so good. It just feels so good. And I had so much fun. Damn, this was fun. a fun minutes watching it and it was even more fun 90 minutes talking about it with all of you thanks to all the callers uh for staying up late with us uh thank you brother billy mack for hanging with us uh bill we'll we'll see you i'll see you in another few weeks here in uh northeast ohio for skywalker rises in ohio tickets still available at playhousesquare.org we're gonna have a great time we're gonna go see the movie and then we're gonna break it all down with a live podcast from uh, the Kennedy's Cabaret Theater at Playhouse Square, downtown Cleveland. Looking forward to having you with us. Um, also, if you'd like to uh, hang with us in between shows, you can do so. We'd love to have that uh, communication from you. You can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, as well as uh, email. You can send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. You can also leave us a voicemail. I think it's three. What's the what's the number? Eight six six eight. I'm losing it. Who cares? I'm thinking, I'm Look at our website. The all the info's on the website. Have a it's good night. Rebelforceradio.com. And uh, we're having a great time talking about Mandalorian. We're so glad you're along the ride with us, um, Jim. Any final thoughts on the Mandalorian episode two? I'm kind of springing this on you, but it is sort of a tradition. Well, I think we're starting to see early signs of the evolution of this character and uh, changes he will be going through on this particular adventure. His connection to this force child uh, is uh, pretty um, pretty much starting to come to the surface now, where he realizes that he might be in the possession of something that uh, means more than uh, just a payday and so uh-huh. uh, yeah so i i think we're gonna see him evolve from bounty hunting being a priority to uh doing the right thing and uh, we already got a little shades of that in episode one when he stopped the ig unit from executing the the, the baby and now uh the the little yoda is starting to display some uh really incredible uh, skills and connection to the Force. And I, I think the Mandalorian himself will be... Um, he'll, he'll come to realize that it's probably more important to protect the the infant Yoda than to uh, claim his uh, prize. However, we have seen a lot of shots of this very same Mandalorian character wearing full-on silver Beskar armor. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so I think he does yeah. eventually get that payday from uh-huh. Werner Herzog. Yeah, I think he does get that payday. But does the baby fall then into the uh, possession of these Imperial remnants? Well, you know, know, we're all thinking that this is, uh, this is the bounty hunter with the heart of gold. Who knows? He might just... Be more than happy to turn that little uh, youngling over to uh, Werner Herzog and his imperial goons. Yeah, yeah. There are things, too, that also indicate that this guy is as cold-hearted as they come. And uh, he's not going to take any crap from anyone. So, uh, yeah, especially a bunch of little Jawas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here 
as we look at episode two of season one of The Mandalorian, The Child. Thank you all for being with us. We appreciate it very much. We'll see you next time as we uh, take a look at the episode three. We don't have a name for it. I don't think that any of those have been leaked. Or, no, uh, not that, that yeah, I'm aware of, no. Yeah, but uh, we know that we're going to be looking at these once a week. All right. There are some, one more thing, there are some story synopsises out there, though, and uh, also um, Pedro Pascal apparently had leaked the actual name of the Mandalorian. I'm not spoiling that on this show, but I'm I'm not even going to drop it. Off the air, I want to hear that. Yeah. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody, very much. Thanks, guys. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And I'm Billy Mack. And remember... What was that? (laughs) What? I have spoken. There he is. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Later. Bye.